The following content is not suitable for children. Okay, George, when we finally get to the point where we're not in a negative cycle with our partner about sex and we're talking to each other about what we really want and need and we have a longing that we start to express, I I want to explore that with you kind of from both the pursuer and withdrawer side. Let's do it. Welcome to Foreplay Sex Therapy. I'm Dr. Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fowler, your couples therapist. We are here to talk about sex. Our mission is to help couples talk about sex in ways that incorporate their body, their mind, and their hearts. And we have a little bit of fun doing it, right, G? Listen, and let's change some relationships. All right, Lori, this is, this is the heart of the solution here. The heart. the heart of the solution. I always love it when you say heart. When we are, as a therapist, every session I ever do, I'm reminded of this as the target. This yeah. is ultimately what great couples can do. This is how couples repair. This is the solution to the negative cycle. I mean, if you're listening, pay attention to this one. This is going to be super important. This is how we create a positive cycle. Too many therapies, you know, they tell you what the problem is, but they don't tell you what the solution is. This is the solution to the negative cycle. Yes. And for those EFT listeners, those therapists who are listening, we're going to talk about step seven. But if you're just an ordinary listener, we're going to talk about longing, what you really long for as a sexual withdrawer and what you long for as a sexual pursuer. So this applies both places to the layperson listening and to the therapist listening. Exactly. And I think too often people go to what they need way too early, right? If you're in a negative cycle, what you need is less fighting. What you need is your partner to do something differently. When you ask for what you need, it's interpreted by that yellow brain, right? As mistrust, defensiveness, and it doesn't lead to you getting what you need, which feeds more of the negative cycle. Right, exactly. So again, the timing has to be right for asking for what you need, right? We really want a couple to be de-escalated and get their negative cycle before we start to kind of go into this deeper end of the water. So it makes so much sense. If I just tell my partner what I need, then they love me. They want to meet that need. Why are we going through this therapy? Why are we going through all this process? Why can't they just come to me? But we know because we've worked with lots of people and we've worked it ourselves that you have to kind of get past that point where you're in the you trigger me my defense triggers you which triggers your defense which triggers me all of that stuff keeps going on and then when you are actually more connected and more vulnerable with each other this is when asking for what you really long for and want starts to work exactly So if we're in a negative cycle with each other and you want me to engage, I want you to be less critical. We're both right what we want, but what we're not seeing is what the other person's doing that's feeding this protection and the need for me to go away or for you to become critical. You really need to make some progress on the negative cycle to reduce the reactivity, to open up more space, to make it actually safer to go deeper. Mostly what we need, we focus on what our partner is doing. We don't go within ourselves. And that's really what we're going to talk about here now. How do we go deeper within ourselves and listen to the wisdom of of our own emotions that are going to guide us to what we need? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I always like to start off really honoring. This is the ultimate of risks. 
Now you're going to go to your most tender, vulnerable places and sit in the fear and the pain long enough to actually put words to what you would want in that place. You don't want to ask for it in this way if your partner's not going to be engaged and responsive. So that's why we want a lot of safety. Because if I share my worst fear, I think I am a failure. I'm a loser. I really need you to tell me it's going to be okay. And I turn to you and I share and you say, well, you are a loser at times. I mean, that is like death. That's like existential obliteration, right? right. Which is why we, we want a lot of safety before we set this up. Exactly. Yep. So the process flow, as our listeners are, are thinking about this, I think what's so counterintuitive is if you really want to go to what you need, the longing, you have to go to the fear. You have to be willing to face your worst fears and sit in it. Like if I feel like a failure as a withdrawer, like I need to go to that place. I need to make it come alive. What happens if I do fail? What happens to my relationship? How do people around me see me? How do I feel about myself? You need to make that come into the room. You need to get yourself a body marker. Where do you feel like a failure? I usually feel that in my stomach. Or if you're the pursuer, where do you feel like you're too much or you're being rejected, Lori? Right. I feel it in my stomach too, ironically. All right. Well, there you go. That's a, probably a dorsal vagal nerve response. Yeah, exactly. And so we want to make sure. I think this is the hardest thing for most people to do. It's to like want to face their fears and hurts and trust. Because normally when we do that, we don't have success. Our partner's the one causing it. Our partner's leaving. Like It feels so counterintuitive to sit and listen to that place. But if you don't listen to the fear, you're not going to get the longing in the fear. Mm -hmm. I think maybe we should say that again. If you don't get the fear alive, you will never really get the longing to come alive yeah. right? you're just going to go for a concept something your partner needs to do differently but every fear if i feel sad it's calling for something i want comfort if i'm afraid i need reassurance if i'm hurt i need some who know you know that's the law there's always a longing with fear yeah. and hurt that's the good news here if you're willing to face it it will tell you the solution to this problem and isn't it that you're saying we want the fear alive because we want people to know that they are risking new information to give to their partner, that they're risking their vulnerability. That's the fearfulness that comes up in us when we start to talk like this with each other. So if it's not there, if you don't, then there's no real risk that you're taking. So you got to go deeper. Right. Not only is it there's there's a fear of showing this or exposing this. But if you don't go deeper, you're not going to get the real longing in it. If I just touch, well, yeah, I, I guess I feel like I'm getting it wrong. And I can't go deeper in that. When you ask me, what do I need when I'm getting it wrong? I'm like, for you to stop telling me I'm getting it wrong. Like, it's not, I, I don't get that, that, that really important want. There's always a want and a need in, in a hurt and a fear. But you have to be willing to give it the space for it to emerge. And I think it's that not knowing that makes a lot of people exit this process too prematurely. Mm -hmm. So I'm going into myself, wondering, curious, not knowing what I'm going to find when I look for my longing. That's what you're saying. Is that right? Yeah. I, I really want you to go to, to the depth of how do you make sense of you in this place of fear, of failure, of rejection, abandonment? How do you make sense of you? 
This is usually where you find a lot of shame. I'm too much. I'm unlovable. I'm broken. You know, I don't deserve. I mean, this is the real nasty stuff that so many of us don't want to. I mean, that's what makes shame so powerful. It's the secrecy. It's the hiding. We don't want to let people in. We don't want to let ourselves in. We do everything we can to get away from these places. But like a shadow lurking, it always comes back. Mm-hmm. I like that. You need to say that a lot. Like a shadow lurking, it always comes mm-hmm. back. Exactly. And it's counterintuitive, but if you can go and listen to the shadow, if you can go in deeper into the darkness, or if you listen to what it's saying, in the shadow is going to be the longing of what you need. It's the solution to the problem. Right. Below what my partner does to me, I have a feeling about myself in this that is painful, shameful, hurtful. But it's when I think about me, there's something in there that we're asking people to look at like, what do, what do I say about me? Am I broken? Am I unattractive? Am I too much? Am I not enough? All of those things that when we look at ourselves, we think this all makes sense because it's kind of my fault. You know, exactly. this I'm, I'm not enough or I'm too much, all of that. And we're asking people to look at that, that below the conflict, there's something that happens inside you that is usually kind of a, confirmation about what you fear about yourself what you are worried about deep inside and in that place we're going to ask people to reveal that to their partner exactly and it's just an insecure part that we all have i always help couples put it into perspective right that doesn't mean they're not confident and amazing and all that great stuff that's all true too but whenever there's a threat there's a reason people protect themselves There's a threat because it hits a raw spot. It hits something deep within us, a vulnerability or insecurity. That's just part of the human condition. There's nothing wrong that you have a vulnerability, right? It's just part of what it is to be us. So it's, it's, it's listening to the wisdom of those places and trusting that if we face it, I mean, this is a very intentional mindfulness approach. It's saying, why is your body giving you a signal? Let's listen to the signal because in that signal of feeling like a failure, there's something that could help with that, right? And we that's we, if we don't get the failure, we're not going to get the help that we need. So that's where it takes the bravery and courage to kind of go into the darkness and face our shadows. Right. We're complex people. We're not saying that all the time you go around like feeling like you're a worm. It, it's just that these places that get triggered deep inside are important. And if you share them with your partner, you can get the comfort that you need for them. Precisely. And when, you know, we often talk about two layers to this, when we're talking about the sexual cycle, right? You really need to calm people's fears and give them reassurance that resources them, that frees up that energy to then tap into the more positive part of like, what does my sexual being really want? It's hard to be Tarzan and swing in the bedroom when you're afraid you're a loser. So that loser part needs a little bit of reassurance to kind of resource, right? Make it kind of, there's so much energy we waste diverting towards covering these places up, preparing ourselves for what's happening. It's once you're able to reassure that it frees up this energy to actually then put it towards the more creative part of our sexual being. Mm -hmm. So what do pursuers actually talk about this, the fear that they have and what they're longing for? Well, so often pursuers' fear is because they keep getting rejected when they keep 
they want to try and initiate, their partner disengages, it leaves them mad and angry and critical. They start to feel like a monster. They feel gaslit because they're told they're too negative. They don't want to be negative. So there's a lot of emotional kind of vulnerability underneath, right? And, and when you start to go, slow down the space, how do they make sense of being alone, of not being wanted? What is it about them? This is where you usually get too much, you know, I'm unlovable. People just always wind up leaving me. What is it about me? You know, am I just too much for people? Am I unworthy? These are some really tender, vulnerable spots. And usually nobody shows up here. And because nobody shows up here, we really don't know what we need in these places. But when you start to have some safety, we can really open up that space to say, Lori, right now, just listen to your stomach as you say, there's something about me that feels unworthy of love. Not only are you alone, but there's part of you that says you deserve to be alone. You always wind up back here anyway. What is it about you? Right. There are also family of origin things that get triggered in this longing, just old messages, old things that start to feel like this is who I am forever, not mm. just in this relationship, but who I've been. Exactly. I had a woman tell me the other day, a sexual pursuer say, you know, my parents believed that telling us as kids that we were pretty or beautiful or attractive or handsome would give us would was a shallow value so they really consciously worked at never telling us that we were attractive and my father particularly you know would never say that kind of thing as a girl and i always tried to get him to you know i'd dance for him or whatever and he never could kind of pay that attention so then she said you know with my partner when he rejects me i just feel that same sense of it's because I'm unattractive that they don't, he doesn't say that, he doesn't come toward me, he doesn't want me. Like her, her parents actually were intentional about it. It wasn't that she was unattractive, but all of that lack of messaging about that her physical appearance was okay, then was replicated with her husband not coming toward her. So she just felt like I'm ugly, I'm unattractive. I've never been told that I'm attractive and here it is again. This is why he doesn't come toward me. So it was that terrible sense of complicated sense of not being attractive and also not being paid attention to. Right. Terrible. All right. Well, let's let's come back and talk about what possibly might help this lady. Okay. Uber lube. It's a luxury lubricant. Can you say that three times fast? Uber Lube Luxury Lubricant. You know, basically, it's pure silicone bliss. It is made from superior ingredients. It has skin-soothing vitamin E, and it goes on just like natural moisture, and it lasts a long time. There's no drip. Their glass bottles are truly beautiful. You can leave them on your bedstand. I do. No problem. Nobody notices. And it's basically like this thin, slippery silicone formulation. It reduces friction, which is great, but it doesn't reduce sensation. And it stays slippery long enough for lasting pleasure. They have travel-friendly toughened glass bottles. You can slip it in your gym bag. You can slip it in your purse. You can be ready whenever. Try UberLube, the silicone lubricant, at uberlube.com. Use the code FORPLAY for 10% off. Really, it is the best lubricant on the market. 
so again, Lori's describing, and I always put it in parts work, right? There's part of this lady that's always gotten this message. There's yeah. something about her that's just not attractive. Mm-hmm. Right? That don't mean that other areas, she is very attractive, right? But it, as we try to hone in on that shadow side, we want that to come alive. Where does she feel that? You want to role play her, Lori? Sure. Sure. Even as you say that, Jane, right now, that this is an old message. Right? You've had this message the whole your whole life. There's something about you that's just not attractive. So how do you make sense of that? Yeah, I kind of have never delighted anybody. Mm-hmm. It's what it feels like. And my husband can't doesn't delight in my body or me as a, a being. Yeah. You know, it feels it feels in the same way that I used to spin and kind of dance for my father when right. he came to work. Just the same thing. And then you're spinning and we all want that delight to be special in the eyes of the people we love. And when we never get it, like how do you make sense? What is it about you that you just don't delight people? It feels like I'm just an annoyance. Mm. You know, that I that all that buzzing around them that I do just annoys them. I want to be like a fly that they swat away. Wow. I'm not, I'm just an insect. I'm, I'm, I'm not really a little girl or a a grown woman who has value. It's like, I'm just a bug. Just get away is what they're saying. So I I guess like, I'm kind of, I'm about, I'm a bug. I'm bugging them. I'm just a fly. Yeah. Again, I appreciate you taking the time as you just kind of listen into this place. Not only do you not get the good stuff that we all need to be seen and appreciated and desired, delighted in. I love that word as you're saying that. Right? So not only do you not get the good stuff, but you on top of that, you get the bad stuff. That I'm just a bug. I'm just annoying. People not only don't delight in me, they all get frustrated by me because I'm a bug. As you even say that now, where do you feel that in your body? I'm a bug oh i feel that in my stomach absolutely (laughs) what is it you feel in your stomach oh just this kind of achiness Mm. the achy part of yeah it's trying to clench it's trying to it's very hollow and it does kind of clench up almost like hunger i guess Mm. yeah we're trying to listen to that to your stomach, you know, and what I'm not expecting you have the answer to this, but what do you think might help in that place when your stomach is clenching? And I can see you turning away even as you talk about this. I'm a bug. I'm annoying. I don't want people to see this. I want to hide. I want to pull away. Right? It's never been an option for you to talk about this place. That's why it's so brave what you're doing. Yeah. But if we just close your eyes right now and listen to your stomach, like what do you think might help that place? Maybe some reassurance, maybe touch. Like, what do you think could help in this place where you're a bug? You know, I I think it's in the eyes of my husband. Mm. I I long to see delight. Just like the the happiness at seeing me. Eyes lighting up. You know, something. It's in the eyes that I need. Okay. Again, how wise is that? That what's been always absent is delight. You can see in someone's eyes if they want you, 
if they see you, right? Yes. Even seeing these bad places, right? Where I'm a bug, you just wanting to see the light there. You want to see that your partner's not grossed out by this, that your partner's not repulsed by this, that you're not yeah. annoying. Yeah, it's not enough, I think, to be neutral, that I'm not annoying or a bug. It's like I need to see that I'm a treasure, that he's delighting in me. I, I think especially in the sexual moment, you know, when I initiate or come in the room with lingerie or something, I, I want his eyes to light up. Wow. So I'm going to ask you to, to turn to your partner. And again, if this feels too big, that's fine. But I think this is an opportunity to kind of give you something that you never get to fight for you in a different way. And I see your partner is looking and engaged and tracking you in this place and is being moved by what you're sharing. But what do you think it'd be like to tell your partner that no one has ever really delighted in you? You kind of can't blame them because part of you believes you're kind of a bug and you're annoying. So it's hard to imagine that somebody would want to. Would you want it to light in me? Ooh, that feels so hard. Yeah. Again, this is why you do all these moves to protect yourself in this place from this pain of feeling that you're never going to be a delight. You're always, this place is waiting for you, that you're just going to be a bug to people. Mm -hmm. And it feels so unfair, it turns into anger, and then you believe it and you hide. It's never an option to have somebody just come and say, no, you are a delight. You're my delight. And I want to work better at showing you that. Mm -hmm. I guess I could try. All right, let's see you do it. So, Joe, would you delight in me? I'd love to come to you sometimes, and I just want to see it in your eyes. Would you be able to show me with your eyes your delight in me? It's beautiful. Yes, I'm Joe. I want to delight in you. I'm sorry I often get so caught up in protecting myself that I do what everyone else does to you. But I hope you can see in my eyes now the delight, I appreciate seeing this side of you. I feel good being the one person that can do that for you. Thank you. That's good. That's a lot better. Feels good. Well, how's your stomach going? Feels a little warm. All right. So let's pause and stop this for a second. Okay, good. All right. Lori's get off the hot seat. <laughs> that, you know, I mean, when you role play, right, your body enters the moment and you start to feel those things. And, you know, I, I kind of feel the tearfulness I, I role play. And we do a lot of this as therapists. But even as you enact something, it your body just responds. I, I mean, I, I feel what this woman is feeling. And, I, you know, I, I looked down at the screen when you were saying to her, can I delight in you or I want to delight in you? And it was like, oh, you know, it was just. All of that happens. Yeah. And you can see how important it is to go to the pain of what it feels like to be a bug. Yeah. Because if you're willing to go and listen to that place, that's where the longing starts to emerge. I don't want to be a bug. I wish somebody could delight in me. Right? We need to kind of find our words for our longing. And then here comes the risk. I need to ask for it. 
you could feel like everything slowed down, yeah. right? As, as, yeah, that, as Lori that says. Ask, that right? ask was hard. No one ever delights in me. I don't blame them because I'm annoying. That's been my life experiences. And you delight in me? You see how risky it is to ask that because we don't know. She don't know the answer to that question, right? She's hoping for a resounding yes, but she's waiting for the predictable excuse or going away that usually always happens in this place. So when she gets her husband to say, whoa, I did not know this. Yes, even though you show me these dark warts and ugly part of you, where you feel insecure, like it makes me feel powerful because I get to come. I, I get to help. I never usually get this. I usually feel like I'm failing and letting you down because it turns into anger. I feel empowered. This is a change event. When longings are met, that is the positive cycle. Not only is Lori loved in a place she's usually always left alone, but I get to be the person who gets it right and brings that, the first person on the planet who's really done that. This is a corrective emotional experience. It's got the energy to power the New York City skyline. <laughs> Says the New Yorker. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it does. And you know, when when your my body started to respond with warmth instead of that kind of crampy, empty place, that's kind of proof of the pudding. It's like I do feel comforted by what he said. Right. And we're always going, when we're training therapists, Lori and I are always saying body in, body out. Like you got to go to the body where the negative stuff is held in the stomach. It's clenching. It feels nauseous. The body's turning away. Then you take this risk and you ask for help. And you delight in me. And you give me what my heart has always wanted. All the thousands of times I get rejected. It has always wanted this and never gotten it. Well, now I'm asking for it. Can you see how this is the solution to the problem? Now we go back to Lori's body, and all of a sudden that stomach feels a little bit warmer. Right? It might not trust it. That's fine. Maybe it needs more practice. But that shift from nauseous to warmth, that's really good evidence that you are moving in the right direction towards that secure attachment. Yeah. And I think that these risks that we're asking people to take comes at a time in the relationship that there's already engagement in the couple. So you're not telling the pursuer to say these kinds of things only to be rejected further. It's like, my sense is the withdrawer is thinking about this in a new way. It's it's like, oh, I'm, I'm now in our encounters realizing that my partner is having all these feelings and maybe able to hold my worry about being a failure or not good enough or whatever in tandem with her sense of, you know, she's always seen as a bug. I, I want to make sure this time it doesn't happen. So that engagement, I think, often allows people to start meeting these needs after they do this with each other. You know, that when they share their longings and it's accepted and it's comforted, then the next time they're out there, you know, away from us, or the next time as in your own relationship, when you're trying it again, the engagement from your partner sort of assures that this keeps going, that mm. your love gets met, that that they remember kind of what you're going through and feeling when you take those risks. Yes. So in leaving here, two main things. One, you got to give the space, bring in the pain 
for the longings to be alive and real, to actually put words to what your heart has always wanted, right? And two, when you ask for it, so often partners are asking, but they ask in ways that sound like an accusation. I need you to be nicer. I need you to engage more. I need you, and it doesn't pull the partner forward. We want the ask to be an invitation. Can you give me what no one else has ever given me before? Mm-hmm. It's a bid to come closer. It's a call for help. A call for help is very different than a criticism or an accusation. So how you ask for this longing is crucial. Oh, I know this is heavy and this is the moment of healing really for the sexual pursuer. Maybe we can talk about the sexual withdrawer next time because they have different longings, different sexual longings. But thank you all for listening. Ask for your longings. Call in your questions to the Foreplay Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number four, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by Foreplay Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.